the stage is set. Your Notre Dame Fighting Irish are going to be in Orlando, Florida, December 28th at high noon to play the Iowa State Cyclones in the Camping World Bowl. Oh, boy. Wow. Didn't see that coming at all. Could have been Texas. Could have been Chuba Hubbard, Oklahoma State. It was, it's it's Iowa State. Okay. All right. Seven and five, Iowa State. All right. This is the Locked on Irish podcast. Your lead host, Greg Schaefer here. Monday edition, Monday morning edition of the Locked on Irish podcast. Make sure you're following us out there at Locked on Irish on Facebook, at Locked on Irish on Twitter, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever, Megaphone, wherever you get your podcasts. We are out there. Big show today, as you know, like I just said there, initial reaction today on the show, um, why this game worries me as far as an opponent. Uh, they pass the ball well. Um, we're going to be getting into just initial reactions because we're going to break this game down over the next couple weeks as we are, what, about three weeks away from uh, game day. So we'll definitely be talking about just initial thoughts on that. Matt Campbell-led team, solid coach. Um, also going to be getting to uh, the Final Four has been set. The playoff committee didn't even really need a committee. You could have took the whole locked on Irish staff and paid us whatever you're paying them. This year was pretty cut and dry outside of the rankings. And honestly, I don't think I don't think the rankings were that much of a debate. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And then yeah, Irish basketball, that's still a thing. We haven't ceased to continue playing this season, but it's a thought. Irish fall to the Boston College Eagles. Oof. For the first time in a quite a while, seventy-three to seventy-two. So all that, but what all that on today's show? But what I want to start with is Notre Dame recruit. I want to start with something positive because clearly, uh, the last couple of shows I've been a little pessimistic, and it's not starting off well today. Uh, we're not in the playoff. We're going to the Camping World Bowl against Iowa State. We just got beat by probably what we thought was the worst team in the ACC in basketball. This isn't looking good for us. But uh, one thing I do want to share positively is uh, Pickering and Central Tigers, local to us, about 20-ish miles down the road from where Lockdown Irish is recording, 2021 recruit Lorenzo Styles Jr. And the Pickering and Central Tigers have won the Division I state title, 21-14 to over Cincinnati Elder. And uh, Lorenzo Styles had the game-winning touchdown, caught a 50-yard pass in the fourth quarter with about three minutes left in the game on a third and six and took it to the house. This kid is going to be special. Uh, runs a 44740. Uh he's about 61170, not huge. Uh draw on 247's website, they were drawing comparisons to him to Michael Crabtree. And we'll get in depth this the closer we get to signing day. Uh we'll get in depth to 2020 recruits, but uh, let's keep an eye on Lorenzo. The one thing that scares me about Lorenzo Styles is the fact that all the success that Ohio State has had and, you know, being just down the road, Pickerington Central is not that far for those of you that live outside of Ohio and not really familiar with the area. It's just concerning. Um, Ryan Day is really building something over there at Ohio State, clearly. Uh, time will tell if he is the next, you know, the next big thing in coaching. Is he just using Ohio State as kind of a step stool to the NFL? I've heard some unconfirmed rumblings in the past that he might have his eyes on the NFL at some point in his career. Um, but... You know, he's obviously probably wouldn't go anywhere for another college coaching job unless he just is terrible, unless he's just Larry Coker. So it does scare me, um, you know, getting this hyped about a recruit that's two years out. So that definitely is a concern. I, I want to f- keep a lot of our focus on 
the recruits coming in and especially the early enrollees and the guys that are coming in right now, because there's still a long time for people to be beating down this kid's door. And with a college powerhouse in his backyard, it's a little scary, but for right now, let's cherish the moment of what we've seen. Division one in Ohio is legit. I mean, you got St. Ignatius, you got Colerain, you got Moeller, Elder. You don't have to live here in Ohio to understand the power of some of these schools and the best school in Ohio in that division right now is Pickerington Central. Uh, they hit. They had a, a weird loss earlier this year uh, against a team that usually isn't all that good, but they had a nice year, had a uh, really good regular season. They got beat, and I think people forgot about Pickerington Central, but here they are as your reigning state champs at 14-1. and one. Had a really, really special year. Actually went down to Georgia, played a team from Florida down there, and, and beat up on them pretty well. Um, in the first game of the season. So Pickerton Central's here. They're here to stay. And anytime you can get a recruit from there who's a main player, I, mean, I think that's a lot of trouble we have with recruits is and what, why it's so hard to gauge because you don't know what the competition is. I mean, Amir Carlisle in college or in high school, he looked, that was Reggie Bush. That was the second coming of Reggie Bush. And then he gets to the NFL and you're just like, or he gets to college and you're just kind of like, uh, you know, he's nice, nice player, but where's all that at? You can't really gauge the level of competition. Well, I'm here to tell you that Division One, Ohio high school football is, it's the top of the mountain. I mean, there are some bad schools. I live in a town that has a bad one. In fact, our D7, which is our lowest level, I am thoroughly convinced that D7 Newark Catholic could beat D1 Newark. I mean, that is a fact. I think that could happen almost every single season. So, yes, there are some bad in there. However, when you're talking about the state championship and what this kid did on that level, I mean, he runs a 4-4-7-40. That can even get faster. He's a junior in high school. Uh, and in the competition, you know, as they say, iron sharpens iron. This this kid, he's going to be going against the best of the best. I mean, this is the home of uh, uh, Jake Butt and Taco Charlton. There's been a lot of really good players come from through Pickerington Central. He's even got some on his team. I mean, if you just take a look at his team right this second of what he even has on there right now, he has Ty Hamilton, who's going to Ohio State, number 26 ranked recruit in Ohio, uh, defensive end. He's got Demetric Crenshaw. 6'2", 205, undecided, three-star recruit, where he's going to go go play. Uh, Abraham Alibi right now looks like potentially Rutgers. You know, not a great program. He's a three-star guy, but still, I mean, this that level of talent. And then you look at the team, the guys he plays against. I mean, you got to uh, – let's look at uh, Elder, who they – I know they have one of the top recruits in the country – or in the state on their team. Uh, Joe Royer is going to Ohio State, tight end. Uh, number four recruit in the state of Ohio right now. So it's not like he's not playing against anything. I mean, that's, I guess, my point of all this is yes, it is very hard to gauge these recruits, but to know what Lorenzo's done this season as a junior and can still build on it, incredible stuff. And we're looking forward to seeing what else he can bring his senior year and potentially take his team back to the state championship and uh, what he can bring to Notre Dame. I'm excited to see also next year if he's going to be an early enrollee. So, again, congratulations to the Pickerington Tigers. So we're going to be running over segments here. Um, we've got a break here in about a minute or so, but let's talk about this Notre Dame-Iowa State. Okay. Um, at first, I was like, I got to get excited about it. I, at first, I couldn't believe it, and I don't know how this fell this way. I really don't. Um, like I said, my initial reaction was I was getting comfortable with the fact of playing at Oklahoma State because I like Chuba Hubbard, get to see a back like him. They are ranked. Okay, we got two ranked opponents. Um, 
okay, that's fine. If that doesn't work, then I started like looking at who they've lost to and they lost to Texas. So then my mind kind of shifts to, okay, I think I'd rather play Texas. It's a brand name. Plus they beat Oklahoma state and you know, no shame in losing to a Texas. It's not having as good a year as what we thought. They gave LSU a game at home, 45, 38 is all they lost. So I was getting comfortable with that. And then I started hearing Kansas state and it's like, Oh, okay. They beat Oklahoma state or they beat Oklahoma. It's Oklahoma's only loss. I had my third pick and then it comes across my phone bleacher report I'm excited it's Notre Dame football it's our bowl game we're 10 and 2 and we're playing 7 and 5 I I was I was state right they're the ones that botched a, a punt return and lost 18 to 17 to Iowa correct yeah yeah oh okay all right um I guess I'm not buying any gear for this bowl game uh, I I mean I'm just not this does nothing for me um, does nothing for the fan base. This is really frustrating. I mean, if there's ever been a case for, I can't wait to get the rest of the guys on the show to talk about this. Um, wow. I, this is almost a case for, all right, it's time. It's time to go to a conference. Because as long as we still have these 1980s bowl ties and Virginia can go play Florida, I would have loved that. Florida in the Orange Bowl. Let's go. Let's do this thing. But uh, here we are against Iowa State, who's really the what, sixth best team in the Big 12? I, I, I just don't know how they came about picking that. You could have had a ratings bonanza. Texas, Notre Dame, Camping World Bowl at noon. Oh, against the Cotton Bowl? Forget you, Cotton Bowl. Uh, there ain't nobody watching that. Nobody's watching Memphis in the Cotton Bowl. I'm sorry. It's, it's just, no, nobody's watching Memphis in the Cotton Bowl. I don't care who their opponent is. I mean, I know they're getting Penn State. No, that the Camping World Bowl finally outdraws a it outdraws a do your six bowl, and we got uh got Iowa State, and that's not taking anything away from Iowa State. I think they're a really good team. Uh, we're right up against a break, so uh, I'm gonna explain why this game really, really, truly, truly scares me. But before we do, uh, let's give a shout out to Spotify Wrapped. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your Locked On podcast for the year, your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot, tag us at Locked On Live, and tag at Locked On Irish. Mention maybe my name, Greg Schaefer, Will Havanis, Mark Hissom. Mention the guys on Twitter, and we will go ahead and give you guys give you a share and retweet your tweet. So again, make sure you tag us at Spotify Wrapped at Locked On Live, and uh, to- tag us, Locked On Irish, and uh, maybe mention our names, and we will uh, like, share, retweet, all that good stuff of your status there. So we will take a break and be right back. All right, guys, back at it. Locked on Irish on a Monday. Hope you're doing well. Start of the week, it's always tough. Can't stand starting the week. It, it's brutal, even in my real job. I love bringing you guys this show. It's the best part about my Monday. But uh, other than that, starting off a week kind of sucks. So... Um, yeah, back onto this topic of the game itself, Iowa State. I mean, again, uh, I'm not thrilled about it. However, I, I'm scared. I am. I, I do not like this because I feel like the team itself could feel the same way I do. You know, you won 10 games. You're Notre Dame. You come to Notre Dame to have big-time opponents in big-time bowl games. And this is what we got. And it's no disrespect for Iowa State. I mean, Matt Campbell was the toast of the town two years ago. You know, everybody thought, even last year, people, he's when he, Urban Meyer news comes out, Matt Campbell's getting questions at the podium about if he's going to come take over for uh, Urban Meyer here at Ohio State. I mean, there's a lot of people that really like Matt Campbell. I mean, in fact, he just took 
Uh, Jake Hufford from just down the road, the, the school that's in my district here where I live, this is recorded. It, I can almost see it. When they play games, the lights, you can see them. He stole him from Newark, Ohio, all the way up to Ames, Iowa. Okay, people like this guy. He's a player's coach. He's a young guy. He connects with this generation. He gets it. And I think this is the kind of coach. He's kind of not quite a P.J. Fleck. He's not that kind of personality, but he kind of gets this generation. And he's a really good recruiter. He's a motivator. But he just really hasn't had the success that we thought. But how much success can – I mean, since Seneca Wallace, how much success has Iowa State really had? I mean, Matt's kept them consistently uh, playing well up there. Uh, he's an Ohio guy. went to Massillon. Uh, so, I mean, I don't have to tell you anything. You don't watch the movies that are out there. Massillon is Massillon. Uh, went to Mount Union after that. I mean, again, things I don't have to explain to you. If you're a football fan, Massillon, Mount Union. Coached at Toledo, did well there. Had a winning record every season at Toledo. Three and nine his first year at Iowa State, eight and five, eight and five, and then seven and five. Again, it's just lost last year to Washington State in a really close game in the Alamo Bowl. Um, doesn't this season? You know, it's been it's been a step back in my opinion. Um, they've just had some really really miss uh, games with some misfortune, and I look for this game to be close. I mean, my this show is going to be the topic as I'm talking about this on today's show. This is going to be all about my initial reaction. We're going to get into the nuts and bolts of this over the next three weeks, like I said earlier. But you know, you got a team they lost to Iowa, 18-17, heartbreaking fashion. Took Baylor down to the wire, 23-21. They reeled off three straight: TCU, West Virginia, t- uh, Texas Tech. Lost by seven to Oklahoma State. Lost by one to Oklahoma. They beat Texas 23-21, beat Kansas by 10, and then they got beat by Kansas State by 10. So kind of up and down all season long, but they're they're pretty much in every game. This team doesn't really know how to play a a game that's not close. They have some nice wins. Uh, They only beat Texas Tech by 10, but they did blow out West Virginia. They blew out TCU. Uh, Speaking of which, man, West Virginia had a rough year this year. I guess I hadn't paid attention to that, but wow. But this is a big opportunity for them, a huge opportunity. Uh, they have a quarterback, Brock Purdy, 8,000 yards. Or 8, wow, I'm blind as a bat. 3,760 yards on the season. That is huge. That is huge amount of yards. I mean, I, I think he might have thrown for almost 1,000 more than Book. Uh, rushing game, kind of a work in progress. Eight, uh, Brees Hall is their leading rusher, 842. Uh, 842 rushing yards, so... It's you know they definitely lean heavily on their pass, which is kind of unlike Iowa State. But Brock Purdy, you should probably know the name. I mean, out of everything that is Iowa State, that's I do know the name Brock Purdy. As soon as uh, they started talking that this was happening, now they do like to distribute the ball around quite a bit. They had uh, Deshante Jones, eight hundred thirty-two uh, yards receiving. Tyreek Milton has six eighty-nine. Charlie Kohler tight end 675 then you got LaMichael Petway he's at 622 so you got four receivers over 600 yards receiving uh, again you know Jones is their is their main target 72 receptions on the year for 832 uh, Milton uh, leads the team in average yards per reception with 20 yards per reception at 689 yards and then like I said they they like they also get the tight end involved Kohler has 675 yards in the season also leads the team in um uh, receiving touchdowns with seven. So they like to get their tight end involved. Let's sit, check out Kohler's size here real quick. 6'6", 252. Um, so really nothing we haven't seen this season. But I do know that um, Purdy, he is very efficient. Um, 66, uh, 
percent completion percentage, only nine interceptions this year, 27 touchdowns. You know, he takes care of the ball pretty well, has been sacked 13 times. The initial thing I'm reading about the team on defense, the Cyclones defense, is the fact that they haven't been able to force many turnovers. They rank, I want to say it's like 112th in uh, forced turnovers this season. So, you know, as long as we can take care of the ball like we normally do, I'm pretty confident that, you know, we won't have to worry about turnovers because we are this physically and athletically we're more gifted than this team. I mean, honestly, looking at this on paper, this game's over. We should win this game by 20. This game should look about like, I don't know, maybe like Virginia. Uh, well, that's maybe a bad comparison because that was close early. Um we're just going to have to get out early. Maybe my tune will change, but and it sounds like coach speak, but let's just get out early. We can put this thing to bed relatively early. We have the athletes. They do not. Um, I don't see how I don't see how Iowa State, if we play a, a good game, not even a great game, I don't see how they can hang with us. I really don't. Uh, I look for us to come out and just be the more dominant team. However, if they come out and they play flat right away and we do give up a couple turnovers, this is a team that can hurt us. You know, they're going to go after pride. They're going to go after Bracey. They're going to go after Crawford. It, it, this is going to be, this can be a tough game. If this game is close, if they can get it the fourth quarter close and they can ugly it up a little bit, this will be a tough game for us. So, that's my initial thoughts on this game. I'm not super jacked about it, obviously. I, you know, Purdy's a nice quarterback. Matt Campbell, young, toast-of-the-town coach. But again, Iowa State. So we're going to get to that really pretty much through every show um, leading up to the game. We'll try to preview a position group um, over the next few weeks leading up to the game. We'll get our co-hosts involved, and um, we'll kind of go from there. So... Let's take a quick break, send it out to our sponsors, then we'll talk just briefly about the Final Four, my initial thoughts on that, and then we'll talk Notre Dame, Boston College basketball. So first things first, let's give a shout out to our friends at Blue Chew, because today's episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door, completely discreet packaging. They're made here in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And best of all, there's that no, no awkwardness, none of that awkwardness, all online. They're made here in the USA. Like I said, that's what you want to hear. Made here in the USA and no awkwardness, no face-to-face visit, nothing like that. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com, get your first shipment free when you use our special code, and just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code try to try it for free. BlueChew is better, cheaper, faster, and a faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. So get out there. Again, that's bluechew.com. So we will ship it out to our other sponsors, and we'll be back right after this. 
All right, guys, we are back at it. Locked on Irish podcast, final segment of the day. Remember at Blue Chew, the Blue Chew uh, website there, the promo code is code. So the the live read kind of messed me up. Put the code in the parentheses. I was like, what's the promo code? Remember, that is promo code code, C-O-D-E for that promo on bluechew.com. So initial reaction here real quick before we get into the Irish basketball debacle. Uh, Final four is set. You have LSU. You have playing Oklahoma. You've got Clemson playing Ohio State. <laughs> this is this is easy this year. There ain't no number five. There's there's the, you got your conference champs. You got undefeated teams. You got one one loss team. That's all we have. They're power five teams. I mean, this couldn't be any more cut and dry. I know there's some advanced analytics out there that say that Ohio State should have been the number um, number one team in the country. Completely disagree. However, I'm not being a hater. I, I want everybody to know that. I am not an Ohio State fan. Really, the only one guy on this show that is. However, I just, I'm t- just telling you facts that when I look at LSU's schedule, and I've said this for weeks, you got a win over Bama. You were dominant over Georgia, who's apparently the number five team in the country. You beat a fringe uh, top 25 team by uh, 43 points in Texas A&M. You beat Auburn by three. You beat Florida. Uh, I mean, you beat Texas on the road, uh, albeit Texas is a seven and five team. These are more impressive victories. I'm sorry. I, I just, I don't see, I mean, yes, Ohio State beat Wisconsin, <clears throat> looked a little vulnerable yesterday being down 21-7 at halftime. Stuff like that right there is exactly why I think Ohio State fell to two. Um, you know, I've not seen LSU down 21-7 at halftime at any point this season, nor have I seen uh, Clemson do the, do the same. However, Clemson's schedule is not what Ohio State's is. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but real quick, in Ohio State's favor, a couple sneaky good wins. You know, FAU just finished up a 10-3 and season. Uh, I know it's FAU. They don't recruit the same as Ohio State, but kudos to them, man. 10 wins, conference champs. And then Cincinnati had a nice year as well. Um, finishing, a, you know, what was a pretty decent season for even them. Uh, only a couple losses this year. They are going to be going to play one of our opponents, uh, Boston College. Um, they finished the season 10-3, and three, uh, two losses to Memphis and one to Ohio State. So nothing, you know, again, just under the radar, good uh, wins for Ohio State that maybe you didn't think were there before the season. Indiana finished with eight wins, Wisconsin twice, Penn State, Michigan, I'm sorry, I just don't see, you know, we're going to see something because uh, you know, I don't know if anybody's seen, but uh, Michigan has a game ahead of them. So we'll see. We'll see who had the better schedule. Michigan is playing uh, Alabama in the Citrus Bowl. So, you know, people want to talk schedule. They want to talk about this team was this team on this person's schedule was better than this one or whatever. Well, we'll see what, who the equivalent was, but I just think that LSU's resume was just much better than Ohio State's at the end of the day. Uh, I don't think Michigan compares to Bama. I don't really think anything on Ohio State's schedule was Alabama this year. I'm sorry, but that's just my initial reaction. And my initial reaction is actually I think Ohio State gets beat by Clemson, and I think we have an all-Tiger national title game. So that's my thoughts there. That's initial thoughts. Of course, we'll get back to it with the crew when we uh, – Go a little further in depth into it, but uh, as we are in our final segment here, do want to talk about whatever that was yesterday. Uh, we're in trouble, guys. Six and three, 73 73 72 victory, Boston College over Notre Dame on a Saturday at home. We were down by ten at halftime. We never really got our. I mean, the final score. I, I loved how we battled back. Uh, this is rough. This is going to be a rough year. 
At this point, I don't know how many more wins we can get. Uh, I, I'm struggling to find us getting to 13 wins at this point. Yeah, we have Detroit on Tuesday. We'll do the preview for the Detroit game for tomorrow. I do think we get that one. It's on the ACC network at seven o'clock. Then we have UCLA and Indiana. I mean, right now I uh, they're they're both losses. We get Alabama A and M. That's a win. I, I struggle to believe that we'll we'll lose out in the ACC. But as of right now, this is you know this is one of the worst Notre Dame basketball teams I've seen in quite some time. Uh, unathletic again, just can't really shoot that well. We're just struggling really everywhere right now. And, you know, I thought we had something figured out in the sense that we we could have some games to get right. But, again, going back to iron sharpens iron, you're, you're not playing anybody. And, unfortunately, we're just getting exposed right now due to a lack of athleticism. I told you on Friday that Boston College is an athletic team. And we just don't – I just don't feel like – it's such a struggle. This reminds me of 07 Notre Dame, how that terrible three and nine year in football – it reminds me of how, like, every time we would get a first down, it was just whew, just a God's miracle we could even do that. And that's kind of how I feel about Notre Dame this year in basketball. It's like when we score, it's like such a relief. Like, okay, but then we got to go do it again. And and we're just really struggling right now. Now, Gibbs had a nice bounce-back game, went 6 of 11 from the field, 22 points. But you look at the box score of this game, and you're like, how did we lose? And how were we down by 11 points twice? 11 points twice in this game. It truly, truly blows my mind how this all came about. I mean, if you sit here and look at the box score, we had 23 foul shots to their four. And, of course, we miss them in the most crucial time down the stretch. You know, you got Gibbs missing the foul shot there. And, oh, my gosh, it's just so frustrating right now to know that, yes, was that an athletic team and did we think that we might struggle? Okay, fine. But... It, it, they're not a good basketball team. They hit their laws like we thought they would. It, it allowed us to come back some, but we were down by 11 points two different times in this game. You can't do that. You can't be what Notre Dame is right now and fall behind like that. We knew Thornton was going to be good. He led the team with 19 points with, for BC. They got a, a, a nice minutes from Hamilton off the bench with 13. He shot very efficiently. He was six of eight from the field, even hit a, uh, a hit a three pointer we kind of knew this team was going to be good. And then Heath or was going to give us some fits. I shouldn't say good. This is not a good team. Let's not get that twisted. I'm not making any excuses because at this point, I think Bray's even out of excuses. Heath hits the three-pointer at the end there. I mean, Gibbs could have probably done, or Fluger probably, maybe could have done more defensively, but it's one of our best defensive players. He shot it. He made it. What are you going to do? But we knew we, we had to deny him. There was two guys. We talked about it on Friday. There's two guys on their team that shoot well from three. Heath being one of them, Jared Hamilton shot. They both shoot over 40%, and it bit us. It just bit us, and now I don't know what we're going to do. The, we're only playing eight guys, and Jogu got six minutes. We might as well be playing seven guys. Uh, Goodwin is giving us little, one for nine. You know, it's like when one guy looks decent, you know, Dane Goodwin, he looked solid there a couple games ago. Then he falls off the map and he goes one for nine. Then you have Gibbs who played like garbage. You know, he's over 11 against Maryland. Then he has a nice game. We we have to be able to find a way to put this all together and just get more consistency. We shot eight of 29 from three land. I'm struggling to find what we do well right now because I don't know what we do well. I really don't. Other than beat bad teams, I don't know what we do well. We had more foul shots. 
uh, by nine, yeah, 19 more foul shots in this game. They, they didn't really shoot that. Well, I guess they did. I mean, they shot 11 to 23 from behind the arc, but they made three only three more three-pointers than us. We out-rebounded them. Uh, I don't know. They shot 10% better from the field. When you're just a bad shooting team and you're unathletic, this is a hard recipe for success. And I was telling some of the crew... I'm just going to wrap up here in just a couple seconds, um, and we'll get to some more of this tomorrow when we preview the Detroit game. Um, I was telling the crew, you know, I follow Xavier basketball. Living here in Ohio, growing up here, I'm not a Buckeye fan, never have been. Xavier basketball, I like their standards. I've always liked what they do. They're just down the road. I have a buddy. We go to games from time to time, and I think about this little tiny Catholic school in Cincinnati, Ohio, and not only could they, you know, are they out recruiting Notre Dame and are typically consistently better, but they would run us out of the gym right now. Xavier would run us out of the gym right now. And I, I think about the two schools and what the difference is. And is Bray's message just, is it done? I mean, is that what we're seeing right now? Because losing to Boston College is 100% unacceptable. At home, first Saturday, you know, Saturday game in December, we had to get to 10 wins before ACC play started and then find a way to grind to nine because right now this is not even an NIT team. Even the games that we gave an excuse for, UNC's been beaten by nine points or more in their last two games. They just got beat yesterday 56-47 by Virginia. You know, in a slow burn Virginia, you know, Virginia-esque game. You know what Virginia does. So even our losses right now aren't even looking that good. UNC got their doors blown off by a high state that would we wouldn't even be able to get off the bus against the highest state right now. This needs fixed yesterday. It all starts tomorrow with Detroit and it's going to be interesting to see how we can bounce back. So really appreciate you guys listening. Remember, follow us at locked on Irish on Twitter, locked on Irish on Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, check us out. Appreciate their support. Remember official Notre Dame podcast of the locked on Irish podcast. We will see you guys tomorrow for Notre Dame Detroit preview and delve into a little more onto the Camping World Bowl against the Iowa State Cyclones. Have a good Monday, guys. Go Irish.